With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Day one of the 2019 draft is in the books. And what a day one it ended up being the New York Giants shock everyone at pick six. The Raiders kind of surprised everyone at pick four. We had uh, no wide receiver or running back go off the board until winter the mid-twenties and plenty of moving around late in the draft. We'll break it all down and Jags wide receiver D.D. Westbrook joins us here on the Gridiron Show. So coming up on the show today, Matthew Sherry and Simon Clancy break down the first round of the draft, pick by pick, decisions to move up, to move down, fits, schemes, how the players will get on in the NFL, all of the good stuff. Plus, uh, Didi Westbrook, he's in London as the Jaguars make their fourth round pick and sixth round pick, I believe, from out here in the UK. Uh, So I caught up with him this morning and we talked not only about the Jags drafting Josh Allen at number seven overall, uh, his initial experiences of working with Nick Foles uh, and with John D. Filippo. We also talked about he's an Oklahoma guy. He's worked with Kyler Murray. He's worked with Marquise Brown, the wide receiver who went to the Ravens at 25 overall. So we get his opinion on those Sooners taken in the first round. Right, without further ado, let's kick on and let's get to Matthew Sherry and Simon Clancy breaking down the first round for you. Thanks, Will. So let's, let's rumble through it. Um... I would say basically what we expected at the at the start of the draft. I mean, there was a little bit of talk, but but Arizona do go with Kyler Murray. Do you think they've handled the situation quite badly? I think it's generally been handled pretty badly. Um, I mean, Josh Rosen apparently discovered just seconds before the pick was handed in that he was not going to be the quarterback, essentially, that Kyler Murray was going to be the pick. I think Cliff Kingsbury then phoned him about 20 minutes later to let him know. Um, and Arizona are trying to talk a good game. They're trying to say that you know that he's not, him and Murray have a have a, a great relationship, and they went to a number of quarterback camps together when they're in high school, and they know each other. And um, I, I just think they're trying to backpedal and save face a little bit. I suspect he'll be dealt um, today. They say they're not going to give him away, but ultimately they're not in a particular position of strength. I mean, they can keep him, and his uh, uh, his um, contract isn't prohibitive in terms of the money that he's going to be making. But nevertheless, it, it, you know, it's not going to be particularly good for, regardless of the relationship between Rosen and, um, and, and Murray, it's not going to be great for Josh Rosen or for Kyler Murray to be in that I, situation. I, I think you're in holdout territory as well, Andy. I mean, I, I just don't know why Josh Rosen entering the second training camp of his career would ever be happy being a, a dead man walking in Arizona. I mean, he needs to get... If I'm him, I'm demanding a trade and saying, look, I need to get into a new system. I'm a, I'm a young passer. I need time to learn a new offence. I don't want to be traded in the end of August and have no chance, yeah. basically, in my second season. I mean, really, it, it's a difficult one because it's the business hat or is it the human hat? And they really, really the are in that. The they are in that as well. Yeah, they, they, they are, are in the, you know, they made in their first pick. They can't 
they, they can't hold on to him until mid-August and then Kirk Cousins breaks his leg and then they trade into the... Vi- that, that, that's not beneficial to anybody. Yeah. That's not beneficial to anybody. So um, I, I just think it's been handled badly. And you used the phrase dead man walking. To me, the biggest dead man walking is Steve Kime now. I mean, I think he's essentially given up his his role as general manager. And you look back at some of his, you know, you look back at those first picks that he's had over the past five, six years, and it's a litany of of average to, to bad players. Interesting guy, because you said in the last pod, you're thinking, and I agree, I, I mean, three years ago when Bruce Arians was there, you're thinking maybe one of the better GMs in football. Seemed to really have a good gauge, I always thought, on picking players for his coaching staff specific players for, Absolutely. for this he, game but, but he, he seems to have lost his work but you certainly look at what he was able to do in, in, in middle to later rounds with the David Johnsons yeah. and with um, with uh, Tyron Matthews and John Brown like guys John like Browns. that Absolutely. Absolutely, and then obviously picking up free agents like Chandler Jones and um, but you look at Robert Kemdichi and Dion Buchanan and uh, and the tackle DJ Williams Jonathan and Cooper Jonathan Cooper was a bust and you know, there's. It's been a litany of average. Hassan Reddick last year. It's been a litany of sort of average picks, and you know. And Josh Rosen now. I mean, if you're going to get if you can get a new guy after a year, then it's not a good pick, is it? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, overall, I think it was handled very badly, and I, you know, ultimately, I think it's going to cost Steve Kime his job. The most obvious pick of the night was uh, the San Francisco 49ers selecting Nick Bosa. However, it did emerge that maybe he'd followed some, as well as having some kind of political views, that really, I mean, listen, everyone's got their thoughts on on President Trump. I'm not sure that should be something that we're we're opining on. He's entitled to political views. But actually, it it seemed like maybe he was following some far-right Twitter accounts and things like that. Yeah, and it seemed like... In a city like San Francisco, is this tricky? It seemed like he'd employed a number of people uh, to delete certain stuff, but I I think everything's available on the internet. Um... Uh, and some of the accounts that he'd followed, according to to reports, uh, were pretty grim. Um, I don't think it's a good look. Uh, what I think is a worse look is that if it had been a black player, if yeah, it been, I agree. if it had been Quinn and Williams, um, I think then there, it would have been a big issue. Yeah, the fact that it wasn't, it was a white man whose brothers in the league, uh, I, and I, you know, I just think I, I, it was fascinating to me. You look at the the Laramie Tunsil bong thing from a few years ago. I'm not saying it's the same, but it's pretty uncomfortable reading, um, and it's pretty uncomfortable to read about it. Um, so, yeah, that to me is that to me is an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And and then after that, we we get Quinn and Williams to the Jets, which we we think really at that point was a you know they they had their choice of three very good guys, and and you couldn't have quibbled with any. The the, the shock pick was was Cleland Ferrell to the to the Oakland Raiders and. You know, the Raiders are the Raiders are kind of the the team that everybody loves to be with the stick at the moment and and criticise. But you know, can we have to let this play out? Really, don't we? It's very easy to say, well, maybe they could have traded back, and I'm, and maybe they could have. But then also, maybe the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers love the guy just as much as well. We have no idea. It, it kind of feels like there's a rush to criticise the Raiders for everything they do, but actually, we. we They've traded Khalil Mack. They've built these three first-round picks. We need to give these guys a year or two to see how they play out. Great kid, good player, but I also think you're able to say, you know what, Cleland Ferrell was probably a, a value pick at 18, yeah. for example. When you have Josh Allen on the board, 
I just don't see that how that's a, a, a value pick. I just don't. You know, Josh Allen, one of the safest, one of the best players in the draft. I just don't see that as a value pick. You know, and if you want, you know, if, and if edge rusher is really what you want, then that's absolutely fine. It is absolutely fine. But at some point, the rubber's got to meet the road and you've got to take the best player. And to me, the best player was comfortably Josh Allen. You know, and if you just said that Cleland Furl was going to go at four, I mean, that's an Al Davis pick, not a Mike Mayock pick. And uh, you know, he's a good player. He is a good player. But you can't tell me that you couldn't have got Cleland Furl by trading down to 15 because I'd be amazed to, you know. One thing Mike Mayock said is he really focused on the on the kind of off-the-field impact and the, the leadership elements of him. It does seem like the Raiders are more than any team at the moment. They know they're at the start of their programme almost and they're targeting character guys maybe as much as anything. Yeah, I, 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 and I get that too. But Josh Allen's a great character guy as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I mean, I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I liked their picks... And I like their picks if they were picking 18, 27, and 38. Yeah. I'm not sure I like them at, at the, the spots with which, with which they got them. And it feels like a very Raiders draft. And, you know, I, I know Mike Mayock's hand is on the tiller. But you have to wonder how much John Gruden played a role in it. And the, well, certainly the got symbiosis between the two of them. Certainly the next pick, uh, Josh Jacobs, was a, was a classic Gruden selection. But actually, I, I think if anything their best pick on the night because you know this was a top 10 talent wasn't it at running back he was easily the best yeah. the best guy in the class I mean you look at what the New York Jets spent on on a guy like Le'Veon Bell Josh Jacobs gives you all three of those things at a much cheaper contract at 24 in terms of he can he can run the ball he can he can pass protect quite well but he's very very good pass catcher as well like he is basically everything you're looking for in a foundational three down back yeah absolutely I mean he can catch he he can block he still needs some work in the blocking game but as we discussed previously it's lack of miles on the clock that's the that's the the thing for me I mean he has minimal carries yeah. um, great human being you know had a very very tough upbringing slept in motels slept in a car lived in a car really slept on couches of friends and spare bedrooms he'd even hide in people's houses for friends that, so that their parents wouldn't know that he was even there um, so he's the kind of kid that you root for. Um, and I yeah, we, we spoke to him at the at the Super Bowl as well. Just a really, I mean, you could. I, I think sometimes you can't always tell with athletes because they're so well media trained. But you could just tell there was a warmth about him immediately that that wasn't put on. Absolutely, absolutely. And he just seems a a good kid and the sort of kid, like I said, the sort of kid that you root for. Had the Raiders not been jumped by John Gruden's brother? at the last minute and selected Montez Sweat yeah a guy who had a had a, a heart problem that we found out last night was misdiagnosed probably with, with that being true maybe a top 15 talent would we look at their first round differently because they, they end up selecting safety Jonathan Abram who another good player who I think we, we both really like but again somebody who you're maybe looking at as early to mid second round yeah and what are they doing with Carl Joseph yeah, exactly. Well, I think I think it's been fairly clear that they're happy to get rid of Joseph. Yeah, but even so, it kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, box safety coming down, uh, downhill players, good players, the Landon Collins type, um, and it's easy to criticise the Raiders. I just feel like they could have got better value. Yeah, yeah. It's not so much that you hate the players. It's no, the, it's the, the, the point. Play, nice players, three nice players. But I just feel like the value perhaps didn't match up. But you know, 
I think if they'd have got sweat, you're in a situation where you've probably selected one guy right in the right spot, one guy too early, and one guy you've got. I mean, I'd, I would have taken Ferrell over. I'd have taken Ferrell over Sweat anyway. I think he's a better player. It's just the position with which yeah. Ferrell was taken. You know, it, let's say let's say the Raiders came away with Josh Allen, um, Josh Jacobs, and Nazir Adderley or Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Then you're thinking, crikey, they've really maximised yeah. those three picks. You know, so we'll see. We'll yeah, see. And, and I get the point as well that maybe box, box safeties are a little bit more ten a penny than a proper a little bit centre fielder. A you don't bit. get many guys who can, you know, in the last couple of years, Malik Hooker, yeah. a really good example of of one. You know, you don't get many Al Thomases. You really don't. You, re- you know, or go go. To, you know, look, you got Byron Murphy sitting out there. You have got Greedy Williams sitting out there. But you know, Mayock and they, they know their needs. So we'll and like you say, we have to see how it plays out. I just think they could have maximised their value a little better. Not going to go through every pick. Devon White to Tampa Bay was was a was a no brainer. Everybody knew Josh Allen to Jacksonville ended up being a no brainer simply because the value became too good. Sandwiched, they were sam they sandwiched um, another pick that maybe was a surprise to some, but actually decided to give you a you due. You were the first person I heard mention this on this first ever podcast that we did. Um, Daniel Jones to the New York Giants when you look at the connections you look at his mentorship from Peyton Manning the David Cutcliffe connection who is connected heavily with the Manning family the fact that he's so prototypical and seemingly that's how the Giants want to play it did make sense but I mean there are concerns aren't there that he's, I mean there are concerns that this guy is, is going to be a good backup quarterback and never hurt a quality starter and certainly not worth the six overall pick I mean Gettleman's going to Gettleman I suppose yeah, but I did say it, it did, you know and the, the drumbeat for a while was you know the drumbeat for a while was that this was going to be their guy um, again you could have taken Josh Allen at six and you could have taken Daniel Jones at at, at 17 yeah. that to me is the no brainer move do you think do you think Washington have played this perfectly in that is there a scenario where Washington wanted Dwayne Haskins all along got it out there that they were interested in Daniel Jones potentially and maybe potentially maybe panic the Jones the interesting thing for Jones is obviously look he comes from the David Cutcliffe system obviously Cutcliffe and the Mannings are very close he's very close with both Peyton and Eli he's not going to start he'll sit on the bench you know the, the, the interesting question is whether or not you know if the Giants have a terrible season Let's say they end up with a second overall pick or even the first overall pick, and you've got Tua Tango Bailoa sat out there. If Daniel Jones hasn't started and Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer are no longer the head coach, sorry, I'm scratching my foot, which is why the microphone tone has changed. <laughs> if, um, if Gettleman and Shermer have gone, you've got a new general manager, a new head coach, and they're sitting there with the we're, second we're, pick. We're, the we're back in. Kyler Murray, Josh back in, you know, And whilst what Arizona did last night is a total outlier. If I'm the new general manager and new head coach in the New York Giants and I've got Daniel Jones, who I don't like particularly, and but I, I've got the first pick in the draft and I see two as there, well, I know what I'm doing and it's not I mean, investing frankly, the future in Daniel frankly, Jones. Frankly, even if you haven't played Jones and, you, and it's not the new system, if, if you've got the first overall pick next year and two is there, it's, a, it's an act of genuine self-harm I mean Daniel Jones is not the prospect that two is going to be no I mean he's, I mean I've said for a long time he is Ryan Tannehill with a better brain and a weaker arm 
you know, he's mobile. He's he's not got a strong arm. He can be accurate. He didn't play on a particularly good team. He's tough. He runs. He can extend the pocket. He can, you know, make plays with his feet. Um, and look at the talent level that he was playing with, both the offensive line that he was behind and the receipt. You know, he's not throwing to Henry Ruggs and to Devonta Smith and, and the guys that Tua's throwing to. He's not throwing to the guys that Trevor Lawrence is throwing to. Let's be let's be honest about that. He did very well at the Senior Bowl, certainly in the practices. But for Dave Gilman to come out and say the first time he saw him play live was at the Senior Bowl, and he saw three series and was like, "Stunned you would have the gut." I mean, it? it's astonishing, uh, given everything that's happened. Uh, I find it interesting, and, then, and the interesting thing for me was that then they moved back up to take DeAndre Baker, who's a very good cornerback, hasn't been beaten for a touchdown in the last two years. But there are some fundamental issues with DeAndre Baker in terms of off the field, and not that he's a bad kid. He's a very, very lazy workout practice and based on what I saw last night the way he reacted struck me as a guy who thought he'd made it before he'd even been yeah. to practice and this is a this is a team that spent what the 10th overall pick two years ago three years ago on the corner out of Ohio State who had lots of issues off the field ended up being dealt to um to the New Orleans Saints um, and whilst I don't want to say history's repeating itself because that would be unfair on Baker you know, you want kids that are going to come in and work their backsides off, be in that facility at 6am in the morning and be there until whatever it takes to, 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 to get it done and to be on the field, you know, and working hard and practicing hard. You know, he's going to have to change his ways, I think, unless he becomes, you know, another Eli Apple. I think the the third pick, Dexter Lawrence as well, 17, felt like a little bit of a reach. Although by, by 15 in this draft, everybody knew that it was going to be the, the difference between player 15 on one board and 50 on another is 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 minimal. So it wasn't that surprising. However, my main point would be it's the strategic thought of the Giants. Had they traded Eli Manning or got rid of him, they could have taken this class. Daniel Jones, then they could have taken at 17 Jeffrey Simmons because you're accepting then that you're starting again. Yep. Jeffrey Simmons, top five talent. We, we went through him ad nauseum on this podcast. But he would have been perfect for what the Giants were. But they're caught in this path now where they're trying to be a team for today with Eli Manning and a team for tomorrow with Daniel Jones. And for me, you can't do... You know, the New England Patriots can do that, those two things at once because of the New England Patriots. The New York Giants, and because Tom Brady's Tom Brady, the New York Giants are not in that position. With Eli Manning, who has been a bottom-tier starter now for seven years? I I like... Look, again, I like Dexter Lawrence, but I like Dexter Lawrence at 35, yeah. not at 17 or whatever it was that he was taken. He's also going to be suspended by the league. He failed a, a test at the Combine. He obviously missed the National Championship and the, the BCS playoff uh, game because of a PED suspension. Um, but that's an issue. You know, clearly, they're, clearly that schematically they want another Snacks Harrison and he's very good against the run, but he's ultimately going to be probably a two-down two down guy. Yeah. And I, I hear drafting two-down guys in... In the first round? Yeah, me too. Because it just doesn't represent value, I'm afraid. And like you say, Jeffrey Simmons was sat there, literally a top five talent, not just at his position, but a top five talent in this draft class. Yes, he's got the ACL, but, you know, he's going to come back in a year's time and be straight in as one of the better defensive tackles in the league. And in in three, four, five years' time, the Tennessee Titans will have one of the best defensive tackles in football with Jeffrey Simmons. There's no doubt about that. 
Buffalo Bills selected had a hell of a great pick. It was value at the time. Jonah Williams to the Bengals at eleven, which I think made made, it, made made a bit of sense. It filled a big need, and and again the Bengals were a team that it's the decision of whether you're playing for right now, which clearly they've decided they are. But at least they're committing to it in a way that maybe the. But actually, people aren't. talk about the Bengals. When you look at a Bengals roster, and actually, it's a significantly better roster than you think oh, it would be. I mean, I mean, had, two years ago it was the best roster in football they had a number of injuries but you know Andy Dalton is not my cup of tea but Andy Dalton isn't a terrible quarterback yeah. but you, look, you know Joe Mixon Giovanni Bernard Tyler Eifert Tyler Boyd AJ Green they, they, I mean there's some decent skill position talent they drafted Billy Price in the first round last year now he had the, the torn peck but he'll be back Cordy Glenn Jonah Williams um, you know defensively I mean, Geno Atkins is still a yes. really good player. Carl Lawson, terrific under the radar pass rusher. Um, you know, linebackers, there's some issues. The other kid at safety who came in and played. Jesse really Bates from Purdue, year. brilliant. You know, Darquise Denard uh, is a good corner. Uh, Will Jackson's a good corner. Um, you're expecting Malik Jefferson, who they took in the second round from Texas last year, to step up. But they've got talent on that on that team. I mean, people talking about oh, they're in the running for the for tour. They're not in the. No, I don't think they're they not are. at all. And they've got a, a significantly easier schedule. The only reason there would be is because I'm not convinced Zach Taylor can be no, a I'm not head either. coach. So, I'm not either. Um, the pig in the middle of that was probably, and, and this is biased, my favourite of the night, and least favourite, because I really didn't want him to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the Steelers are not a team who trade up very often. No. Did they for Troy Polamalu, and look what happened. Yeah, and it feels a, a scenario where the need was great, yeah, they were in a unique position because I think Devin Bush was a was a top seven talent, so it was a good move, wasn't it? And he, he's just perfect. I mean, you, I thought that defense played really well last year. It struggled initially when Shazier got injured, but it really improved down the stretch last year. But you could see that there was still that hole of an extremely fast linebacker missing, and that's exactly what they've got. The one thing they're missing, or the one thing that you're concerned about. Is, is can he stay healthy at his size? That's the one thing, the one question mark that you had at, at, at Michigan. And he got, he got nicked up a lot in games. You know, it's not the games you miss, it's the games where you're off the field for exactly. a series and then you come back on and you're not quite the same. That's the concern. But a really, I mean, you know, fundamentally just a great football player um, and steps straight into start. He'll be a leader of that defence. Um, he steps right into the shoes of, of Shazier. Um, he is, is a three-down player, can cover really well. He's tough. He's got, you know, he's got. Talk about the six-inch six-inch punch in terms of you've got a guard or a center right in your face, and it's getting your hands out, getting them into the the, the chest plate, the breastplate of the uh, of the guard. His the power that he can generate is, is he's like a boxer. His ability to rock a guard and a center back on there, you know, and then once you've done that, then you're in the ascendancy because then you're able to move past them because they've got to make a move to counter their balance and then move back forwards towards you. And when when they're doing that, their bush is already around you. Great eyes in terms of just being able to read, sniff out screens and that sort of thing. So uh, it's an excellent pick for the Steelers who didn't have to give up a first round pick next year to get him. So you know that's a decent. Rashan Gary, I think, is a bizarre pick for where the Packers are at in that. I'm, I'm convinced he won't play much this year because of this this torn labrum mm. issue. And, I, and I, I, I get that the thing he can play through, but whenever that happens, I, there was a guy the Bills drafted last last year or two years ago where it was the same scenario and then he just didn't play for, yeah. for the first season. It, it strikes me Shaq similar Lawson to that. A couple of yeah, years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Shaq Lawson. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Packers really are in win now more, more than maybe any other franchise in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I like the idea of him in the in the he's scheme. The, he's the ultimate, but yeah, schematically, I think he really works. He's the ultimate boom or bust. But you you know, look, you can see him and creatively in terms of what they're going to be able to do defensively and what um, what um, the defensive coordinator whose name's completely escaped my mind. Um, Mike Pettin. What, what Mike Pettin can do with him, you know, because he, he can rush inside out, and by that you mean he's going to line up next to Kenny Clark at defensive tackle. He's ultimately he's got. This, you can drop him to middle linebacker. Yeah. He could be like Levon Kirkland, you know. He can play there. He can obviously play on the perimeter, um, you know. So if he can, if he's healthy, if he can regain his sophomore consistency that he showed at Michigan, and the reason why he was high school player of the year, um, he is a ridiculous talent. I mean, you look at the size: six foot four, two hundred eighty three pounds. He runs a four four. Or four fifty one forty, which is just yeah. insanity. You know, he'll set the edge. Um, do I like the pick? Yes. Do I love it? No. I, I, I think I, he was injured at Michigan last season as well. To be fair, I think the concern for the Packers was that I, I think they probably wanted TJ Hawkinson, and obviously he went to Detroit, um, and maybe they just felt that off the field issues with Noah Fant meant they probably couldn't do that. You kind of felt like they want you wanted to see them get some. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that they spent both of their picks and they traded up in the in the second round, giving up two fourth rounders. Um, they traded up in the first round to get uh, Darnell Savage. Um, I, I found it interesting that having lost Randall Cobb and you know, you, Aaron Jones looks a nice back, but is he the answer? I don't know. Jimmy Graham obviously is a good tight end, but you kind of he wanna, hasn't been good for a couple of years. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you kind of feel like get Aaron Rodgers some help. Yeah. You know, get him some help. Even you know, look, move back from from twelve if you get the opportunity. Then take Fant, add a Paris Campbell or a Nikhil Harry or a Hakeem Butler or a, you know one of those guys. Just just get Rogers some help. Yeah. You know, look, Josh Jacobs would have been a great fit there. Yeah, I mean, he would. You know, or even you know Andre Dillard or, or or you know one of the tackles to play you know replace Belaga or whatever. So you know, I'm not I'm not sold on what the Green Bay Packers did. But no, I, just, I, don't, I don't hate it, and, and Savage will. Savage is a good player, you know. It just feels like they've spent an awful lot of draft capital over the last few years on defensive backs because now look, you've got yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you've got Kevin uh, King, Kevin King, who looked a really good player before he got hurt, but uh, the kid last year um, was absolutely sensational. The um, the guy they got in the first round, um, Clinton, Jair Alexander, Clinton Dix is obviously gone, but you've got Adrian Amos there, who they brought in from the Bears. Yeah. Uh, Josh I mean, their, de- their defense has got a lot better this offseason. Oh, significantly. You ask Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Rashan Gary, Adrian Amos, uh, and Darnell Savage. That defense is significantly yeah. better, but it's still the same pieces on offense. Now they've got a lot of they've got a lot of draft capital. I think they've got two second rounders, two third rounders. You've got to start looking at investment in, um, you know, offensive playmakers really, and certainly a receiver. And because and, you're looking for an outside receiver, I know they've got. Um, They've got the Equinemius St. Brown and, and, the, and Valdez Scandling. But you're looking for a, a Randall Cobb replacement and you're looking for a, a, a tight end. Now, whether that's a Jay Sternberger or they can get a Paris Campbell or an Andy Isabella or, you know, it remains to be seen. But just give, just give Aaron Rodgers the, you know, give him the capital. Hazel Irvin here and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. 
Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportsrelief.com. Sportsrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. The day after the uh, National Championship game, I remember you either, you either tweeted or saying to me that you would love the Dolphins to draft Christian Wilkins at 13. Now I think you, I tweeted Christian Wilkins is a man. Yeah. I'd love to see the Dolphins take him at 13. And we've now had three months of prep and by the end of it we thought that he would be out of reach. Yeah. You ended up getting him. One of my favourite picks, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sat with you, but I mean there's just nothing. There's nothing to hear about this pick. No, I mean, along with Josh Allen, my favourite player, and probably my favourite player in the draft, actually. Uh, And I'm not just saying because he's now ended up in Miami, but a guy that when you put on the tape has improved every year. And that's a great sign. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, Marion Hobby is the new defensive line coach with the Dolphins. Hobby recruited uh, Furl and Lawrence and Trayvon Mullen and Wilkins to... um, to Clemson uh, an incredible human being off the field uh, completed his degree in two and a half years got a master's became a, a trainee teacher just a just a great transcendent talent really off the field and, uh, and on it you know he fits perfectly in terms of what the Dolphins want to do in terms of stunts um, you know they're going to run a lot of stunts quick that quickness that he has he's going to I mean it would not surprise me if he ended up being that, that kind of Trey Flowers type that Brian Flores had in his in his defence in that he'll play zero technique he'll play three he'll play five so that means he'll play inside he'll play nose he'll play shade he'll play outside at defensive end um, because he's got the quickness he's not blessed with power he's not a hugely powerful human being but what he is is he, he wins with quickness I think he had the most second most tackles for a loss of any player in the draft um, and the second most stops at the line of scrimmage of, of any player in the draft um, and I think he was in the backfield more than any defensive tackle not named Quinn and Williams uh, over the last maybe last two years so uh, I think he's just a I don't want to say safe pick because it makes him sound like he's an average player he's going to be the face of that defence he's yeah. going to come in straight away and he's going to show his personality and he will start from day one I think it's a great pick and he's well, going to play offense as well. He, he down at the goal line, you give him the ball. I mean, you watch him run. And he scored touchdowns for Clemson. He, you know, he's like a. I mean, he's like Josh Jacobs coming at you. He's a bowling ball with speed, who scored a number of touchdowns out of the I formation or court. And all also, passes. we give him extra credit for, for nearly decapitating Roger Goodell. Absolutely, on the, on the, I mean, that was a, that was a great. Um, Atlanta Falcons have seemingly decided that their route back to the Super Bowl is to recreate the offense. Offensive production that they had a couple of years ago, which is win badly. Matt Ryan played very well last year, but was under pressure a lot. They've drafted two all linemen in the first round. Chris Lindstrom is, for me, one of the safest picks in the draft, just a very good guard. I'm a little bit concerned about Caleb McGarry, and I think he's very raw. Yeah, I think he's raw too, but there were teams, certainly him and Titus Howard, there were teams that that thought he was value in that first round area. Um, clearly the issue with Jawan Taylor, we don't know exactly what it is, but you know, a guy that could have gone off the board at seven to Jacksonville clearly fell through picks that uh, of teams that could have taken him. The Bengals were one, the Packers were another, the Dolphins were another. Um, you know, there were a number of teams, the Texans. Um, we heard there was a knee issue. We don't know how bad that is. Um, 
but you kind of feel sorry for him. Um, but yeah, McGarry feels a little bit raw. Uh, Trey Adams is the is the sort of feels like the transcendent talent out of Washington. Has missed the last two seasons now with serious injuries and ACL and a back injury. Um, and he would have been a top 10 pick but McGarry came on in the second half of uh, of the season certainly uh, and did very well in the All-Star games and at the Combine um, Lindstrom like you say is a, a safe solid pick he'll still be a 10 year starter somewhere in the NFL you know he does get beaten sometimes on tape um, but overall I think it's a solid selection I mean I, it felt a little high for me, I've got to say. I think both um, felt a little high. Yeah, it felt a little high. And it, what I thought was interesting was a, a video on social media of um, the reaction at the Falcons draft party in the stadium. And let's just say the reaction was not <laughs> good. So, just we'll round up the tackles. Uh, the Houston Texans, Texans had done to them what Washington did to Oakland later in the draft in that Andre Dillard was going to be their pick. Yeah. and the Eagles jumped up ahead of them and snatched them I feel like we repeat the same teams every year who we like at this point but the Eagles are doing a lot of things right yeah Harry Roseman moment. just is you know knocking it out of the park year after year both in free agency and in um, and in the draft you know he made a brilliant trade for Jordan Howard uh, the other day uh, so you know the Eagles are just a good team with good front office. Good Love coaching. that they were able to pick up Malik Jackson without giving up a comp yeah. as well. They, they just do a, they just, just do, do a lot right. of things really well at the uh, moment, uh, you know. And you only have to look at what they were able to do without Carson Wentz, both the season they won the Super Bowl, but also last year. You know, a, a lot of credits that goes to Nick Foles, but also a lot of credit just goes to to Roseman. Yeah, you know, because lots of people can, can pick good players early on in drafts and stuff the, the the way that you win in the NFL is by is being able to churn the bottom third of that roster yeah. because injuries you know your, your starting day lineup on offense and defense is literally never the same yeah. on, on week 17 the ability to churn and stick in players and get players who can be sticking plasters that you know that are gonna you know do a job if if player A gets hurt Jason Peters a, a Hall of Fame left tackle for me um but you know he, he's 37, 38, 39 you know he's not going to last A much longer and B there's a possibility he could get hurt and go down again because you know at that age Achilles and knees that's just life when you play that position Andre Dillard more than a thousand snaps in pass protection in his career at Washington State significantly more than any other tackle in the draft um, you know he's a plug and play left tackle starter if, if he goes down uh, or you can stick him on the right side because of the kid whose name I completely forget who who played in the playoffs when, when Vitae yeah Vitae um, a couple of years back so we shall see then, I mean the the other interesting name with the Eagles is Jordan Mylita the, the, the kid they yeah, and they lost and they absolutely you know understandably they love him I mean you look at him you know and they can move Mylita to right tackle he could play on the left side and Dillard could play right tackle so it's just you know Roseman just getting it done on a really good team and that left the Texans to take Titus Howard. This was a situation, really, where you know the need was so great that yeah. they had to just get their best rated guy. I mean, frankly, if I was the Texans, I would draft offensive linemen for the first three picks and, yeah. just, and just let it play out. Because yeah. uh, their the defence is, is always really good. They've got a great defensive coordinator. Their offence, even with a terrible offensive line, is out, outrageously explosive and dangerous. You, you just feel like if the Texans are going to win a Super Bowl in this early window with Deshaun Watson, 
they need to improve the offensive line and really the rest of the pieces are, are certainly good enough to do it yeah and Howard is an interesting one because obviously people, some people who don't follow college football are like well who's this guy but you know the NFL know, know all about Titus Howard. Obviously from a smaller school, so there is the risk there. But when he stepped up against major competition at the Senior Bowl, he absolutely looked like he belonged. Now, he played very well. He's a kid that I, I think will take a bit of time, but I think they potentially have a, a, a diamond in the rough there. Yeah. Um, he's going to need a little bit of chiselling into shape. Uh, and you, what you'd expect or what you'd, you, you'd like to think that the Texans might do is come back with a... You know, a, a Michael Dieter or you know a hardened forty-plus collegiate starter in the second round. You know, a guard, a Dalton Risner if he's there. You know, an Eric McCoy, the centre from Texas. Risner will be a good pick. Yeah, Pierce Backer, Bo Benchwazel, one of those guys who just you know he's is battle tested um, that you can just slot in because look, you've got one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Keep him on his feet. Yeah. Because if you can keep on his feet, he can make plays down the field and you can win and, games. And also, you, you know, you forget, coming off the tournament, torn ACL last year, we, we remember how amazing he yeah. was as a rookie. Like, he could take a big step forward on his own this year Massive. as well. So, Massive. Protect him. And as much like Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay, give him the, yeah. give him the capital out wide with, with Watson. You'll win a lot of games if you can protect him. Uh, the Jeffrey Simmons pick the Tennessee we've mentioned the only thing I would say on that I feel like Tennessee have overestimated the quality of their roster I'm yeah. not sure with Tennessee with the team there were, there were certain teams who could have picked Jeffrey Simmons I said brilliant pick you know yeah. the, the Titans as a team kind of operating in that middle ground between playoffs and average probably aren't that Denver Broncos no offence I mean we just it, it was another one where the, the value would start to Absolutely. be there I mean he's, and he's look Joe Flacco's always, always operated yeah. with excellent Titans you know, I mean, it's, and you like the you like the idea of regardless of what you think of Joe Flacco, John Elway clearly likes him, so put him in a position to have a chance. He won a Super Bowl with with uh, with Todd Heap. Yeah. You know, uh, they drafted Hunter, they drafted um, uh, Mark Andrews and uh, the long haired kid from Arkansas last year um, for a reason yeah. because Flacco works best with tight ends. Dennis Pitter, uh, was Dennis the... Pitter, obviously the other guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, Fan is a perfect selection for. I mean, he's he's going to remind you a bit of the kid at, at the Giants. Um, you know, he is a why in terms yeah. of his positioning. He's not you, you're not really going to want to get the, you're not going to get the best value out of him sticking him as an inline. Well, I think blocker. he's slightly better. He can as a blocker than, than Engram. Yeah, oh yeah, and he's, he's a decent enough blocker, but yeah. you know, it's down the field with that four four speed yeah. that really you know is really good. slight issue with drops, but. Yeah, and some scouts had said that you know when they turned up to to um, to Iowa last year, you know the, the coaches raved about Hawkinson and were kind of yeah I'm okay on yeah. fan, and that that would concern you a little bit, but you know it's kind of like you say it's uh, value meeting need there. The other really disappointing pick for me was uh, Marquise Brown going to the Ravens because I love Marquise Brown. The only negative to Marquise Brown to me, and it's also a positive, is that he's Antonio Brown's cousin. But I, I love everything about this guy. He's got great speed. I think he, he runs routes very well. He did a great interview with The Ringer in which he basically reveals his his view on leverage. And, you know, he talked like a 10-year veteran receiver. And that's the good side of having Hall of Fame Antonio Brown as a very close cousin. The bad side would be, is he going to be an absolute pain, like him off the field? But for the Ravens, I mean, perfect. You know, the yeah. way they're building that offense, the way to get the box spread out a little bit and open up some of those running lanes is to have a proper home run threat, both going deep and 
taking a little slant across the middle and, and taking it to the house. Yeah, well. I mean, it was interesting watching you knowing that you know the Patriots were only a few picks away, and your reaction was um, your reaction was funny. I should have recorded it. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people were like, "Oh, he's John Ross. He's, he's not John Ross. He's no. the best. He's the best route runner in the draft." Frankly, yeah. I mean, he is the best route runner in the draft. The concern is he's 166 pounds. Yeah. You know, so he's got to, he's got to prove that he can he can you know handle the the beating that he's going to get. You know, can he be Deshaun Jackson? If he can be Deshaun Jackson, then he's going to work perfectly because, like you say, he's going to take safeties out of the box and he's going to allow that running game both for the both for the um, for the Ravens running backs, but also for Lamar Jackson. And also, he runs routes that Lamar Jackson prefers. You know, Lamar Jackson can air the ball out deep. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let, let, let's let's put Hollywood up and uh, uh, and let's run some of those post routes and, but also you know comebacks and uh, and those sorts of routes that that Jackson can throw nicely as well. So uh, just a solid pick. I mean, it's it's an unRavens like pick, really, because you were kind of expecting an Eric McCoy or a you know somebody an offensive line Risner or whatever. But you know, it's a it's a a really good pick. I, I just think the one concern for me is that he is one hundred and sixty six pounds, and that's uh you know. That's a small human being in a big man's league. The last two years of this draft, the Los Angeles Chargers have sat in their position and just basically thanked the, the gods, I think. Mm. They got Derwin James last year, who I still think was the best player in the draft last year. And this year, Jerry Tillery, who I think was a top 15 talent. I mean, yeah. just interior guy who can get after the passer, you know, one of these... Inside-outside guys, very long, very lean. He's like six foot six. Um, just a good fit I mean he's going to kind of you know, Corey Legette didn't really work out and you know they've had some guys in there but he's um, he's had some consistency issues which would be a bit of a concern but at times on tape you know you throw on the Boston College tape where he played against um, where he played against Chris Lindstrom and that was a really good battle um, and you see the talent there you see his good hands and his quickness um, so I think he's a he's a solid pick I, you know it was interesting that they didn't take Drew Locke given the age of Philip Rivers uh, you had lock on the board still, um, so that's one of the directions they could have gone in. But like you say, the Chargers are a, a team that don't need a lot of help. Obviously, they lost. Excuse me, they lost Jason Verrett. So you wonder whether a Byron Murphy or a Greedy Williams could have fit there. But um, you know, you just take the best player on your board at that point because they're a really good roster stacked full of uh, of excellent talent, and and that's clearly what they did. And finally, the Patriots get and Kale Harry who. You know, he's perfect for the Patriots, isn't he? And that he's a guy who you can move inside and outside, similar to the way they do with Julian Edelman, but a bigger guy. A bigger guy who also gives you yards after the catch as well. So he he, he ticks a lot of boxes. The Patriots have a terrible track record drafting wide receivers, but this is the first time they've ever drafted one in the first round, which I think says a little bit about how much they needed one, but also they clearly love this kid. We were talking, we, were, we couldn't quite work out what the pick was going to be when we were, you know, when New England were on the clock. Um, but like you say, Harry, I think he's a really good player, uh, a really good player. And, you know, he falls into that category of, of four or five of these guys, Kelvin Harmon and DK Metcalf and Hakeem Butler, kind of similar guys size-wise and whatever. But he's tough, he can block, some issues with drops and stuff, but generally good hands. Uh, like you say, he can play inside, can play outside. And I think the biggest thing for him was the, the way he ran at the combine. Yeah. You know, he had a really, ran a really good time. Um, and just a, just a really good kid and well coached by a former NFL coach in Herm Edwards certainly over the last year. Um, comes out of a good program at Arizona State, you know, a pass happy program. Um, so I, I think it was a solid value. Full route tree as well. I yeah. mean, you mentioned a Metcalf. He's a guy who I've seen run two or three yeah. routes. You, you, you can see Harry doing a, a variety of things. Yeah, I think he's a good player, and it, you know, he can make 
he makes spectacular catches at times as well. So, you know, I think the first thing that Nikhil Harry w- w- should be doing is is asking for, for Tom Brady's number and saying, when can we um, post this mini camp? When can we can I come out and find you and can we start catching some passes and stuff so and I would think by tomorrow he'll have another few guys in the list to, yeah. to add to as well because I, I think that's where they'll go that's all from us Will send it back to you that is a what we hope will be concise but probably was a drawn out review of the opening process. <laughs> cheers Matt cheers Simon excellent work as always right let's hear from D.D. Westbrook third year wide receiver out of the Jacksonville Jaguars their leader in yards and catches last season I caught up with him in central London ahead of the just after the first round and well it was a wide ranging conversation it's fair to say as well two three four can you just give me a quick level Hey, what's good? What's good? <laughs> uh, so we're currently sat in an incredibly swanky bar in the Mayfair Hotel where Dee Westbrook, wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is with us. And they don't even have pancakes and bacon for you. This, I mean, what kind of welcome wagon is London rolling out for you, Dee? This isn't acceptable. Uh, man, it's, it's not even that. You know, uh, it's just that I, I've never really traveled much, you know, and so coming to London, you know, I was expecting to have some pancakes and, and bacon because I thought that would, you know, to be easy for everyone to make, but you know, uh, they don't have it, so we, we're going to work around it, though. we got <laughs> options. <laughs> you literally just flew in this morning, I saw you uh, tweeting your couple of thoughts on a couple of the, the your guys out of Oklahoma when right. you landed, so... Yeah, I had to wear my Oklahoma hoodie, you know, to let everybody know I'm representing, <laughs> even out the country. Was it... Uh, for you, I'd, just to ask about those two guys, I mean, I don't know what Bob Stoops and then Lincoln Riley have put in the water there at Oklahoma, but two number one quarterbacks back-to-back years and plus your guy Marquise Brown as well what can you tell us about those guys coming out in the first round this year uh man uh I mean the only thing I can say is obviously University of Oklahoma make champions and and you're saying it each and every year and for Kyler Murray his story's crazy you know obviously Baker has uh, the crazy story as well but Kyler's is is a little different you know uh being that he transferred from Texas A&M you know and going over and have to having to sit behind a Heisman Trophy winner as a Baker Mayfield and then him coming out you know the next year doing some of the same things breaking more records that Baker didn't you know and winning a Heisman and also being a number one overall pick in the NFL draft is is like surreal you know what I mean and I'm sure it's a dream come true for him given that he was drafted to play baseball as well you yes. know and, and turn that down only some people are annoyingly talented that's that's yes. the frustrating thing yeah it's, <laughs> it's crazy you know and it's not just like oh he's a basketball player and a football player you know it makes more sense but this guy plays baseball you know what I mean and so that's obviously different you know and for him to be a top 10 pick in that and then come back and be the pretty much the best player on the planet you know what I mean uh, in college football it's, it's insane and what about your guy Hollywood, Marquis Brown? Oh, that's my dog. That's my dog right there. Uh, I mean, I love his game. I, I love how he plays the game. You know, he's very smart. You know, he, he knows he's not the biggest out there, so he know when and when not, you know, to fight for those extra yards. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, uh, I'm, I'm super stoked for those guys, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of both of them until we play them. Um, I want to ask about obviously the Jags come out in the first round get to seven there are a lot of people were expecting something on, on your side of the ball on the offense a tight end maybe a lineman but a guy falls to them that everyone thought was going to go at three and four in Josh Allen this pass rusher and, and they go do you know what best player strength on strength it's nice for the Jags to be in that position at this point where they don't have to be 
thinking too much about need and can just go right we can go best player available and we know that we've got a good shot of the playoffs this year right most definitely you know in our offense you know it's a young team young offensive team you know we're going to come around we're going to get the hang of it and obviously with the repetition with Nick Foles you know pretty much getting the timing and the chemistry down with him everything is going to work itself out offensively but everyone knows the defense win championships you know and, and for us that's what we're chasing which is a Super Bowl championship and then that defense was so good the year that you guys went deep into the playoffs you know you're basically two or three plays away from a Super Bowl last year it felt like you know they fell off a little bit and the offense just couldn't quite catch up with them is that how you'd assess kind of how 2018 went for you guys Uh, pretty much I I just feel like more so we need to do a better job as a team you know getting on the same page as far as the players not the coaches you know the players I mean it's our team it's our locker room and we have to come together more unity you know than anything in order to go where we want to go you know obviously we have these aspirations of where we want to be at the end of the year but none of that's possible if we all don't click on the same page and understand one another there's a lot of talk about coach Marone and the guys there and whether or not that rough season would mean that they were let go this year you'd look for a new coach they end up sticking around you know was that something that when the team heard about it that you were pleased about is that something that you know you're backing the guys that are there to turn this around I mean my thing is like I was saying before like it's, it's not so much the coaches you know what I mean the coaches can only do so much you know the coaches can obviously teach us you know how to create team chemistry but we have to go out there and actually want it for ourselves you know they they do the best that they could each and every week send down game planning you know those guys are literally in the office 20 hours out the day you know what I mean and, and it's up for us to go out there and execute those execute those plays that they draw up you know so I don't necessarily see see it on the coaches at all it's, it's more so us and we have to like I said before come together and figure it out you guys have had your first early voluntary workouts have you had much time to work with Nick Foles yet at this point uh not not really yet we just started throwing you know what I mean like we probably threw one day on a Tuesday and then uh, yesterday but I was on a flight here so you know I haven't really had much time but this week coming up I plan on getting a lot of reps in with him have you had a conver- any conversation with oh, him oh yeah most or? definitely nice guy nice guy real he, cool he, he strikes me as somebody well we've seen how cool he's been in those two playoff runs right. so laid back that actually like that can only yeah. be a positive effect on your locker room yeah I mean he's just a real calm guy you know very energetic looks like he loved the game of football and want to have fun what about John D. Filippo? Have you ever had much time to speak with him yet? Uh, yeah, but he he in work mode right now. You know, yeah, he, he, he got a lot of installing to do. You know, and I have a lot of learning to do. So at this point, I'm trying to figure everything out, and he's trying to teach everything. You know, and so uh, we're gonna have that time to catch up and sit down and talk with one another. But right now, it's just been crazy busy as far as learning the new installs that's been placed in. I can remember when Malik Jackson came in about three years ago. We spoke with some guys on the defensive side of the ball, and there was such a a big reaction to having a Super Bowl winner come in, what that experience brought, what he could bring. Is there like a little bit of excitement around that you've got a Super Bowl MVP in the building now? Most definitely, 100%. You know, because obviously he he know how to get to that game and not only get there, win it, pull it off. You know what I mean? And so at the end of the day, that's what we need. We need one of those leaders like that that has been there, that's walked down that path and can pretty much tell us what it's going to be like and what we need to do and what he's seeing in the locker room that's not being done that he can change to get us to where we need to be. I mean, a bit of a bittersweet year for you last year because kind of a breakout year for you personally, led the team in yards and catches and touchdowns, but the team 
right. weren't where the team needed to be. Right. So where do you see your role this year? I mean, uh, obviously, to me, like last year, it was it was a decent year. But at the end of the day, I like to win. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate losing. So you can give me all the receiving yards possible. But if my team isn't winning, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't count for anything. That's me. That's my personal opinion. But as far as my role this year, obviously I plan on doing some of the same things that I did last year as far as doing whatever I possibly could to get my team in a perfect position to score touchdowns and win football games. I don't know how much you followed that Eagles run to the Super Bowl, but for a guy who you operate out of the slot a lot, but you also have some versatility, I've got this kind of dream vision of what you're going to look like in that scheme. And it's exciting. Like, I, I think that it's something which can really work to get you open and the other guys and I don't know I just I, just, I think it seems like the right fit for what you guys have there right now. I, I do also you know uh, I see that there's a lot of passing going on obviously I'm a receiver I, I love to throw the ball but you know just his route coordinations you know the route treat he has set up is just different ways to get the receivers the opportunity to get out in open space and make plays there was some talk around the team last week with the voluntary workout starting. A couple of guys weren't in camp. Uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey obviously spoke out about it himself personally. Not a guy who doesn't mind speaking, of right. course. He's a guy who will, you know, speak his mind when he gets the opportunity. As players, you know, is that anything that in any way that you pay any attention I to? I mean, I don't, I don't pay any attention to it because at the end of the day, it's voluntary. You know, in this and fine print, like, yes, it'll be great, you know, to have the team there, the whole team there. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, this man, as far as Jalen's been working out with his dad, his dad owns his own training facility, you know, and so my thing is, it's like, it's one thing if he's not working, you know, if he's just choosing not to be here because of his own reasons or he's just sitting at home on the couch doing nothing, but obviously we know Jalen is working, and not only that, he's going to come back and he's going to compete to be an all-pro yet again and prove why he's the best corner in the, uh, best corner in the NFL. I and mean, that must be great for you. We talked about the defense I think when you have a record year like they did in 2017 when you say falling off they were still phenomenal last yeah, year uh-huh. but for you it's that kind of iron sharpens iron thing I, I, I mean I could imagine those workouts being pretty physical yeah, most, and you guys mix it up a bit most, most definitely you know uh, Jalen cool guy cool fun guy to be around you know uh he's just gonna pretty much bring the best out of you every time you're out there and you know it goes both ways you know he wins I win you know it, it's just one of those competitive things so, I want to ask you about being over in London, but just firstly uh, on uh, Blake Bortles, who's obviously left the team now. There's a lot of talk about after the first round last night, guys got their quarterback, some people didn't, that he could be someone who's interesting in the free agent market. Do you think he's someone who, after a rough couple of years, can find success at another team? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. You know, uh, success is out there. You know, it, it all depends on, like, systems. You know, I don't question his ability because obviously we've all seen him make plays from time in, time out, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's all about the system, the schemes, you know, the players that he have around him. And I feel like give and take the offensive coordinator and wherever he end up landing, you know, I, I feel like he'll be a great fit for whatever team. It's cool being back in London, not here for a game, maybe get a bit of R&R, a bit of time to enjoy London yeah, a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just that when I'm here for a game it's like I'm not really focused on you know what I mean what's going on because obviously I have a job to do and my job is to go play football but now I'm going to try my best to experience London microcosm of your season almost last year the London game you can't quite get over the line but you personally 
score a touchdown at Wembley. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was it was nice. It was nice, you know, to hear the fans uh, cheering for both teams <laughs> when something <laughs> good was going on. I like it. It was cool. What have you been your impression of playing in those games and like your impression of the the fan base here and what it compares I to? Like, I, I like it uh, a lot. It's so many people like you wouldn't think. You know, you know, people over here would like football as much, but the stadium was packed. You know, it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. Your owner nearly owned the stadium a couple yeah. of months ago, <laughs> putting a pretty big money bid. So, you know, it's it, he's clearly enamored with it. And this relationship, the contract's been extended. Right. So if you stay at the Jags, you're going to get a lot more opportunities to come and play here. Uh, most definitely. And I love it. I want to meet the queen. <laughs> well, I try. I, I say I could try and arrange that for you. But I want to meet the queen. I have nowhere near wanna, that sort of power, Didi, I'm afraid. I just, just uh, tag her in this video of me <laughs> saying I want to meet her. I think that would be great. I can take you down to Buckingham Palace and we can wave at her and see if she'll wave back. But that is about that's the, it? That's about as close as we're going to get. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, and then getting to come out here, particularly as a guy picked in the fourth round, to go out here and make the fourth round pick for the Jags in London and do a couple of picks. That's another really cool experience. Right. Uh, like I said, it's surreal. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I'm blessed, you know, given having this opportunity to come out here and obviously experience this moment with you guys and also announce the person's life that we're going to change here tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to make sure we have a lot of fun. Felt like the Jags got really good value getting you where they did. Uh, I'm not just saying that to blow smoke because you're sat here, but when you see where you're drafted versus what your expectations are, as a guy coming in, what advice would you give to these guys being picked now? And, and did it put a bit of chip on your shoulder? That oh, most de- most definitely. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not it's not where you get picked. You know, I had a hard time coming out. You know, thinking that because I was like, golly, I can't believe they really took me in the fourth round, given like what I've done. You know, being where I've been as far as Heisman finalist, Belinikoff Award winner, putting up the crazy yards I put up off the catches that I put up, you know, and, and seeing other guys being taken before me and, and knowing that I can be in that elite group with those guys, it just only put a bigger chip on my shoulders to go out there and compete and play the best football I could possibly play and, and be the star of my team and not only the team, but the NFL. And finally, your first couple of years, the AFC South has it's gone from a division which five years ago was let's be honest a little bit of a, right. a joke division people would you know talk about a team coming out there at seven and nine and stuff we've got you and the Texans coming out here for Wembley this year who I think both are pretty hotly tipped for the playoffs it's exciting to see that divisional rivalry coming and playing out in London yeah that's gonna be nice you know actually to get a divisional game out here that where that it counts for something you know what I mean like well obviously all the games counts but this is for obviously the division and also a chance to go over and, and play in a, in a playoffs is going to be really second nice second time you play him in now. the year as well so it's that's got that little extra yeah. edge to it as well it's like, going to be dope yeah I, I can't wait man well Didi thank you so much for taking the time to chat I'm with us definitely. Thank you. wish you the, uh, the best of luck and enjoy London I hope you get to meet the Queen <laughs> I'm going to try to <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Show. We'll have a full draft breakdown show at the beginning of next week. As always, follow us on Twitter at Gridiron and on Instagram at UK Gridiron. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 